0: Uh today we have a guest on that I am incredibly excited for. Uh the moment that he answered my DM, uh I was very very excited. I spent uh most of uh my junior high and high school years watching him on the TV. Uh he was a staple for my family uh come dinner time. Uh his name is Will Willis with uh, with Forge and Fire. Will, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no dude, it, 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 I'm so excited. Uh, to, to have you on. And I know my family, when they find out that uh, we've got you on, it's, it's going to be really cool. You're the first, Uh, you, I, I've had some big names on some, you know, like high follower counts on Instagram, but you're the first person that genuinely any, anybody I meet, there's a chance that they've, that they've heard about you. Um, And I, I'm so excited about the possibilities for the episode to, to help, you know, change men's lives and, and help, you know, point them in, in the right direction and, and get some good information in their ears. Uh, because of your name recognition, so I really appreciate you giving my uh, my little 267 follower count, uh, giving me the time of day. It's not about how many followers you have, man. It's about the you know where you're heading. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. So I have a little bit of rapid fire questions. Um, I've been missing the rapid fire, uh, and I've gotten scorned over it. They hate it when I miss the rapid fire. It's it, you. You really find out. Uh, I have about five people that listen and all five of them messaged me when I missed the rapid fire. So um, it's a hundred percent need rate for the rapid fire. So first one, uh, Q1 rapid fire. What is the favorite knife slash weapon that was built on the show? Favorite one that was built. Uh, the Capesh.
1: I think when Burt Foster made, I think it was a Capesh, and it was a ladder Damascus pattern it might've been season one or season two and, uh, and, uh, the cope, not the copus, but the, the, uh, what was it? It was, it was, it was a weapon that Burt Foster built as a finale weapon. And it was probably the most extraordinary and beautiful blade that I saw the entire time that I've held and fire. Yeah. Foster is a master Smith. Um, I think it was the second season. And and it was uh, it was really an incredibly crafted weapon.
0: Awesome. Um, Burt Foster. And you said it was a capesh. Yeah, I think that's so. what it was called. Awesome. It's like a I'll long with- curved blade and it was a
1: ladder pattern Damascus. And,
0: you know, all those things
1: that they talk about, like the craftsmanship, the chatoyancy of the blade, the performance of the blade. It, it really was a, a gorgeous, gorgeous weapon.
0: Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find the, the picture of the weapon and uh, maybe put it on Instagram uh, as a little bit of a, a teaser or something. Um, let's see. Oh, what was your favorite challenge on the show? So uh, I have a uh, a good, <laughs> one of my friends, when I, I told her that we were going to be doing this, she said that her favorite was when you were chasing the chickens. I don't know what episode that was, but uh, what was your favorite challenge on the show? Well, I
1: mean, there were a lot of, there were a lot of great tests when you talk about like the testing, you know, and I don't know that I had a favorite challenge. I I think that I, the thing that I enjoyed the most on the show was when we gave the Smiths clean materials to start with and then to watch them do something with those clean materials. Like I hated watching somebody try to make a knife out of golf clubs, you know, that was, You know, I I hated the idea of, you know, giving the guys trash to make a weapon. So anytime that we gave them clean materials, like, you know, even if it was just a giant high carbon chromium steel ball bearing to make a a knife out of, those are the things that I enjoyed the most. And there wasn't any one challenge that I enjoyed over the other. It was just the idea that, you know, you're going to start with like a professional sort of um, base and you're going to go from there.
0: Yeah, I I actually agree with you. Um, there was a couple of those where it was like, man, that would really kind of suck, <laughs> you know. Like it, like I want to, I want to see like the best that these guys got, and you're giving them like I, the one where I think they made them chop up a car. That one was probably the hardest to watch. Um, I I think if I remember correctly. Um, but it, I I, did well, like I found out some things.
1: stuff about disc brakes on cars that I had no idea, you know, <laughs> like that disc, it turns out that that disc is, is darn near
0: indestructible.
1: So, so that's crazy. <laughs> I was pretty yeah, impressed think, with that.
0: I do. And of course, understandable, you know, I don't have any sort of skill set that some of those bladesmiths have, but one of the worst parts is I was a welder in high school and one of the worst parts was watching them like be able to forge weld, but then go over to the MIG welder and not be able to put a bead down, like it, it hurts so bad. <laughs> I mean, right. That, that right. Wasn't and was like, an excellent welder. So.
1: Yeah. Not everybody that can forge weld can actually, you know, do arc welding or MIG welding or even like TIG welding, as you know, like yeah. that's a totally different, a totally different skill set. Even for me, like, I, I mean, I've been able to hone my MIG welding skills since I left forged and fire, you know, working in my garage on, on my own projects, but I learned how to arc weld you know, like stick weld. So it's, it's a totally different, you know, thing when, and and then, you know, the addition of oxyacetylene and, or not oxyacetylene, but your gases and stuff like that. I mean, welding is such a, it's such an underrated craft, you know, that uh, I think a lot of people underestimate it.
0: Well, and it was cool seeing somebody that could like work metal a different way. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I worked metal in high school doing the, the cutting and the and the welding and you know doing those kind of projects but being a fan of the metalworking seeing it like truly work like that with a hammer and stuff like that it, it created an appreciation and so like um it it was, it was something that seemed so apparent to me their skill set was so invested in this other thing you know what I'm saying like it was like well of course you know why would they ever have to know how to MIG weld they can forge weld you know like right that's right. What they, that's what they do you know what I'm saying um, so, right. Was, but was, if you're was, making a
1: canister Damascus, you better, you better know how
0: to weld yeah. that can shut. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm
0: and I'm sitting there like, you know, 16 year old yelling, turn your gas on, you know, like yeah, somebody yeah. tell them to turn the gas on. Like,
1: well, I mean, and that's a little bit, bit of a, you know, that's a little bit of a, um, what do you want to call it? An issue with the setup of the forge itself. You know, all of this equipment is supposed to be tested and usable, you know, once that that clock would kick off. So every now and again, there was a snafu where the gas was off or, you know, somebody yeah. was using a piece of equipment in between takes. And, you know, it wasn't like reset for the Smiths to be able to, you know, roll into something smoothly. So, yeah, you know, stuff like that happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I said, I can always Monday morning quarterback anything. Um, any anybody can. That so. was my
1: job. Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> like, that was my job is like the the point fingers and say, What the heck is that guy doing?
0: <laughs> so last one is uh is not forge and fire related, but you are whiskey whiskey. Uh that is that is your moniker, or, or what is it? Uh whiskey times two. Um, what is your favorite whiskey? I'm a whiskey nerd, so of course I have to ask what your favorite whiskey to sip on is. Uh, I'm a big fan
1: of Woodford Reserve you know what i mean um woodford is a it's a good whiskey you can drink it neat you can you can drink it you know uh, over ice uh I, I i don't think that whiskey should be mixed with any kind of soda or or anything like that usually uh so you know when you talk about drinking whiskey neat or or just um being able to enjoy a glass of whiskey i really appreciate woodford You know, and there are some bourbons out there that I like to like bullet and stuff like that. But Woodford Reserve is probably my favorite.
0: Yeah, no. Although I have gone
1: down the Jameson Trail. And I tell you what, man, like me and that dude, we've we've uh, we've covered some ground.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we did. I had one Jameson experience. My buddy brought over a handle for my birthday. And uh, this is actually this is a story worth telling and you'll enjoy it. Um, we had nothing to do, so I live in Amarillo, Texas. So, um, the, the thing to do was to gather around and play Call of Duty uh, with each other and drink and do other things, you know, like hang out at the apartment. That was the thing to do. Uh, and so for my birthday, my buddy brought over a handle of Jameson. There was like five of us, I think. Uh, and one of my friends, so we were playing drunk Jenga. So when you knock it over, you have to take a shot. Uh, that's what that's what we were doing. Well. Uh, my buddy, he had knocked it over once and, uh, he, he went and took his shot. Like we all knew we heard him pour it. We heard him drink it. We heard him put it back on the counter. He came and sat down. And of course everybody, we were like, did you see Scott take his shot? And the guys are like, I didn't see him take his shot. Like Scott, nobody, nobody saw you take your shot, dude. Like you, you've got to go back, S- Scott, come on now. Uh, and so he had to do another one. Uh, and then he hadn't eaten. He was the only one that hadn't eaten that night. And we also had mixed drinks. And so after two mixed drinks and two shots, Scott lost every round of Jenga for like five more rounds. And if you thought he was getting out of his drunk Jenga shot, he wasn't, uh, we ended up all putting down the five of us put down that whole handle handle of Jameson and a fifth of rum. Um, oh, it wow, was, man. that was the, and I will never, I'll never drink JMO after that. Not, not once will I ever have Jameson yeah. after that
1: I stopped drinking for a long time because of an incident with Jameson I uh I was living in Los Angeles and I went out and uh we were at this event where I didn't really I didn't really I wasn't really connecting with with the people at the <laughs> event so I started drinking uh double Mos, just neat and uh, next thing you know, I went from one event to another event and I insulted everybody at that second event. And then I rolled into the bar next door after I was asked to leave the second event. And um, and I actually had to adios myself from the bar because the bartender obviously wasn't going to stop serving me. And then when I called an Uber for a ride, I somehow got stuck between the Uber's tire and the curb my whole Mm. body and I couldn't get up. And then somebody from the second event who I had insulted earlier, picked me up, threw me into the Uber, told the Uber driver to make sure they got me home. Okay. And then the next day we went for a motorcycle ride where I was basically given the riot act, (laughs) you Mm. know, about what kind of behavior I'd been engaging in. And it wasn't like obnoxious behavior. It was just the kind of honesty that comes with drunkenness, you know. And yeah. uh, a lot of times people don't appreciate just in your face drunken honesty. And I, and I can yeah. see why. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. It was Uh-oh. it was pretty wretched, wretched. So I had to take a long break from drinking and then come back to it in a responsible manner.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's tough. Luckily most of my like I said I I don't go out much. Like I'm kind of a homebody especially when it comes to alcohol like i refuse to pay for drinks that i can go buy a bottle of you know i'm like no i'll just go buy the bottle uh right. so most of my my heavy drinking uh has been at home with a bed right there and that was awful enough like i hear stories like that i'm like dude i can't even imagine like being out and having to deal with that that sounds so awful
1: i'm not gonna say that that was my last
0: uh incident
1: you know drinking but <laughs> but it was definitely it was it was definitely a jamo incident
0: <laughs> yes sir yes sir okay man well i think we've got our uh our rapid fire done talked a little bit of forage and fire Talked a little bit of a uh, little bit of whiskey um let's get to the important stuff man the reason that you're here uh will i need to know your purpose that this is a purpose podcast or i need to know your idea of purpose what purpose means to you so can you share that with me
1: yeah, you know, I th- I thought a lot about this when you when you talk about you know, a man's purpose or what my purpose is. And I don't think that there's any one answer to that because your purpose evolves as you get older, as you mature, as you go through experiences in your life. And um you know, I think when I was younger I thought that my purpose was to jump out of planes, you know, and and be in the military and serve my country. And then as I became more experienced and then I got married and I had a family and, and, you know, these other things, you know, became a part of my life by my choices, you know, my purpose became, you know, more like, I got to take care of my family the best way I know how. And it was still like jumping out of planes and, and being in the military. And then of course, you know, being exceptional, at my job was very important to me to be the, the best that I could be at my chosen profession. And I think as a man, you know, getting up in the morning and deciding that you're going to be, you know, exceptional at what you do, you know, for the majority of your day. I mean, there's purpose in that as well. (laughs) And then as I got older, you know, I think, uh, you know, going into television, my purpose was to just be able to pay my rent. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta figure something out, you know, that's gonna, that's going to sustain again, me and my family and, and stuff like that. And, and your purpose evolves as you evolve as a, as a person. And, and again, it's not any one thing like right now, so one of the things that I always had like a hard time with is like, you know, I see a lot of veterans that are able to dedicate a lot of time to like giving back to the communities and, and they're involved in these programs and, you know, when I was in, you know, when I was in doing Forged and Fire specifically, I'm like going to college trying to finish my degree plus filming the TV show and, and then, you know, I was just trying to like so many balls in the air that I always felt like I wasn't giving back to the veteran side of things. I wasn't giving back to the community. So I think now my purpose, it might be, again, going back towards service, you know, worrying less about, you know, myself and my needs and and what I can do in my community to make my community um, a more – habitable (laughs) and, and, and enjoyable experience for not just myself and my family, but for other members of the community. Yes, sir. So So, uh, I think that overall, my purpose on this earth is to one experience as much as, as, you know, the world will allow me to experience, but also share and inspire others you know through those experiences
0: okay i like i like that a lot um you know as your purpose evolves uh as it changes over time as, as you get older and have new experiences like what you're talking about do you think that on on a daily do you think it's important to have a purpose whatever that might be depending on your circumstances
1: not, not in the, not in the big picture sort of way. You know what I mean? It's like goals, you know, you set a, you set a, you set a long-term goal and then you set like short-term goals. I mean, some days that it's all I can do to make my own bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because, yeah. you know, everybody's got stuff going on in their lives. Right. So, you know, you're taking steps toward a larger goal. And I think that you can have objectives that you want to meet at the end of every day, but if you're constantly focusing on like this greater purpose, you know, it can be a little daunting. And I think for a lot of people, it can seem like an insurmountable obstacle, you know? So instead of like, you know, putting Everest out there for yourself and saying, I got to do all this every day, you know, my focus has to be Everest, Everest, Everest. Well, maybe your focus should be something smaller, like just getting your your you know your 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 uh, oxygen carrying capability of your blood up a little bit through working out, being the fittest that you can be, so you can take steps towards achieving that that overall purpose without actually without actually having that be you know kind of the monkey on your back all the time. And some people, you know, they're not burdened by the idea of their purpose. You know what I mean? It's something that that drives them day to day to take those small steps. But a lot of people, you know, when they think about their purpose or what their goals are and they get hyper-focused on that, it's easy to go down into a deep well of like, I'm not achieving my purpose today. Well, you know, maybe you just need to make your bed. Maybe you just need to take a shower, you stinky mofo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> maybe you know, you could just accomplish some of those small things and then let the purpose see, let it come to you, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like constantly driving and driving and driving yourself into the ground, you know, towards that thing.
0: I agree with that a lot. Uh, you know, that's, it, and that's very uh, Jordan Peterson esque and very, uh, I think I heard a quote from Ben Shapiro of all people, uh, but that it's, it's from, uh, it's it's an eras a concept from Aristotle. So like Plato, I think the way he drew it up. I, I'm not a philosopher, but basically the way that Ben was saying is that like Plato looks at it from the top down, whereas Aristotle had a better way to look at it as from the from the bottom up of doing these little things. Like if you are lost or if that that grand purpose is crushing you, that's where Jordan Peterson says, just like you did, make your bed. You know what I mean? And as you progressively do these things, you're going to make your bed for a week. And then after a week, you're not only going to make your bed, but you're going to organize your sock drawer every day, you know, or you're going to fold your laundry. Uh, And as you do those little things, then you can start to garner this, this sense uh, of, of some sort of higher purpose, higher than yourself. But if you don't have those little things, um, anywhere under control, or if the, the greater purpose is kind of crushing you, it's always, it's always good to go back to some sort of daily, minor what is in front of me type of routine um i i agree i agree a lot with you and i think even some of my blinders uh pointing some of that out is that you know i get very focused on the big um a lot of times kind of like what you're talking about uh and that's and that's where i like to that's where i like to thrive but it's it's not a i'm not doing any favors to the people that are listening that don't thrive in that manner you know what i'm saying yeah well
1: think about it like this okay so i got friends that are in the in hra circuit you know i i have and i've been invited to these events and and i've gone to the speedways and i've seen the drag racing right and the, the overall purpose or the overall goal is for that drag car to make it down that 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 um drag strip as quickly as possible and beat the other cars right right but if you aren't doing all of those little maintenance steps that lead up to that car being in peak condition and standards before it ever hits the line, then you're not going to achieve that purpose. And here's the thing. Let's say they do win that race. Well, guess what? Next week there's another race and they got to go all the way back. And I'm talking, these guys rebuild these engines in between races I mean, they're ripping out pistons. They're pulling the cams. They're measuring the push rods. And like, if something is like, you know, point zero zero, like two five of an of an of, of an inch out of freaking whack, they'll throw that part away. You know what yeah. I mean? So there there is like this attention to detail, and there is this idea that like maintenance is going to be the key to any victory. Even in the military, if you don't clean your weapon you know what i mean and then your weapon your weapon malfunctions in the middle of that tick you know what i mean well the screw up wasn't in the tick it happened all the way back with that first step of like breaking down that weapon getting it cleaned up so that it operates at optimal performance capabilities when you're in the tick it, when you're when you're in that moment or when you're in at the height of your you know, goal or achievement or purpose, you don't want to be worrying that you've done the proper groundwork. You don't want to be worrying that that mountain is upside down. You know yep. what I mean? You don't want to have yes, the weight of all the things you didn't do sitting right on top of you when you're on the peak.
0: Yes, sir. So I have a, a follow up question to that. It so the way I do it, because I'm I'm fond or at least um I embrace the idea of the larger purpose first, and then work down from that. Uh, that is not the only way, nor is it the right way for a lot of people when you don't exactly have, so what I'm saying is it's hard for me to picture how somebody comes up with those, those smaller tasks, those do this to succeed. What's right in front of you task, uh, in, in times to where maybe you felt like you haven't had that broader sense, how did you figure out what was the task to do right in front of you? You know what? You're Sometimes say, you
1: don't figure it out.
0: Sometimes you just wait, yes, you sir. know? And,
1: and here's the thing. Um, And I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, talk too much about like myself. I've been accused of talking about myself, but when somebody asks mm-hmm. you to be a guest on your podcast, to like talk to that, you that, about yourself, that is I, the idea. you kind of get into that. But here, here's the experience that I've had, especially with like successful people in my same industry, right? Um, A lot of times it doesn't come to the success or the purpose doesn't come to you the way that you think it's going to come to you. So everything that I did in the military led to me being successful in television. Did I know that those things were going to lead me in that direction? No, I remember telling my ex-wife that I wanted to become an actor. Have I done any like on-screen acting? Yeah, I've been an extra in a couple of films. You know what I mean? Like I I thought that that was the direction that I was going in. I took acting classes. I started doing all of these things that I thought were going to bring me to this greater purpose. But you know what I was really great at was like presenting information to people because I taught for so long at the pararescue school. And then when I taught tactical emergency trauma care, For so many years, I'm teaching all these Marines how to, you know, I'm standing in front of an audience and I'm giving information. Well, that led to me being really good at hosting something. Is that something that I thought that I wanted to do? No, but it did land me, in a sense, it did help me achieve, you know, kind of this goal that I had set out to do, which was like to be successful in the entertainment industry as an. On camera personality, you know, and and again, it didn't come to me the way that I thought that it was going to come to me. But everything that I had done and the foundation that I laid prepared me for that opportunity when it came my way. And I took advantage of the opportunity. I could have said no, you know, but I didn't. I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I turned out to be okay at it, you know, and and I think that. You know, people appreciated, you know, kind of some of the things and some of those, you know, um, qualities that my military service and all of my experience had built up to that. So, yeah, it doesn't it does. It's not always going to come to you the way that you want it to come to you. But you have to recognize, you know, kind of what, you know, (laughs) you know, I want to (laughs) say a kind of a. Matthew McConaughey calls a green light you know what I mean yes, sir. like you got that green light there it is man you either recognize it and you freaking go or you don't you know so you yes, know when sir. that when those when those opportunities come along you know you being able to recognize them is almost more important than
0: than anything else yes sir so let's talk a little bit about um your time before and after the military uh one thing that i really liked from from you and i I listened to the the sean buck rogers show is that what it is what what's what's his show the better broken
1: podcast with uh sean rogers yeah
0: yes sir yeah that popped up on my youtube um and i and i listened to all of it and uh one thing that i really admired from you and i I don't want to directly like ask the same questions or get into the same stuff i want to try to put a little bit of a different spin on it but how committed you were to standards um, you know, standards, uh, you know, objective standards uh by measuring performance. Um, one thing that has helped me kind of get my life together a little bit. Uh, you know, I was uh just to give you a little bit of backstory. You know, we're having a conversation. I don't, I don't like to talk about myself too much in these things either because I'm interviewing you. But um, I was 330 something pounds. Uh, probably two years ago. Um, I'm down to about uh my resting weight is. 260 uh when i am like really getting on it and i have like no water in my system (laughs) it's like 254 uh so i got down to 254 and then in about a month uh i've gotten back up to 260 and then i'll go through another sprint so i do i do sprints like that it's not like i've gained back six pounds of fat but i digress um the way i got myself together was was creating those objective daily standards of instead of this broad goal of to lose weight like what you're talking about I followed a program called 75 Hard that that gave me these objective standards. You're going to do two workouts a day that are 45 minutes apiece. One of them has to be outside. You're going to follow a diet, a calorie restriction. Um, you're going to read 10 pages every day, yada, yada, yada. Um, and now it's almost impossible for me to operate any other way uh, other than setting up those daily objective standards. Did it help you? Did the military, by, by helping you develop those Objective standards of of the way that we operate or the way that you conduct yourself did that help you at all in your life? Like, where were you at beforehand? Where were you at afterwards?
1: Well, I don't look. I don't want to say just the military. I was raised in a military family, so there were standards to adhere to every day when I was growing up. Whether that was how you did the chores, how you did the dishes, how you scrubbed the toilet, how you made my parents' bed, how you folded your clothes you know, and put them away in your drawers. I mean, standards start when you're very young and they're implemented by parents and they're enforced by parents, right? My parents definitely had a way of enforcing standards, you know, Just, and it like so much so that you were scared to death to violate <laughs> some of the standards. And, and like, look, man, rebellion is a part of childhood. I'm not going to say that I was like the greatest kid on the face of the earth. I didn't get straight A's or anything like that. But standards are implemented very early in our lives. You know, standards of behavior, for example. Okay. There are standards, you know, that, that exist in society, whether you're in the military or not. And then, you know, of course, the military has their own standards and, and standard operating procedures and, and standards for this or that or performance or PT tests. You know, there's standards everywhere. Okay, it's not just a military specific thing. And I wish that people would stop looking at it like that. The Constitution of the United States, all of our all of our Bill of Rights, that's all standards. You know what I mean? These are standards that we expect everybody to be able to adhere to and to have the laws that we have in this country. Those are standards, you know, and. And like, look, man, it's not like I don't ever break any laws. I've got speeding tickets in my past. You know what I mean? Like, I've done all kinds of like mayhem. You know, just like little things here and there. But but um, the the idea is is that there are standards everywhere you look, and where you compromise the standards is like, I mean, can you live with that? Now, when you're talking about like a competition, or you're talking about whether that's boxing or football, or making a knife, forged in fire, there are standards across the board. And they're they're actually rules, right? And they're expectations. And and if you're not achieving the standards, you're going to fall short. When the standards get flimsy or the rules are kind of bent and broken, that's where you can run into problems with, with stuff like integrity, right? So deflate gate, you know? Yeah. Tom Brady, deflating footballs. Well, there's a standard there and you didn't adhere to the standards. So you got what a half a season or six game suspension, you know, and, 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 you know, that affects your team and everything else. You know, there was, there was some sort of retribution for not adhering to those standards. So um, for me, you know, when it came to military assessment standards, it's black and white you know rules it's black and white the constitution the you know your bill of rights that's all black and white stuff it's written down it's right there you can read it the laws you know same thing it's 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 black and white you know so so you're either you're either adhering to the the standard or you're not and and again when you're not adhering to the standard one there's a there's a certain degree of personal responsibility there, but there's also the idea of like, you know, what what's acceptable and and what's not, you know, we all speed every now and again in our vehicles. Anybody that says I never speed or I never have sped, I'm going to go ahead and say that if you make that declaration, you are dishonest with yourself and other people around you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs>
0: I uh, I get to go to municipal court tomorrow. Actually, it's funny that example. <laughs> <So. laughs> um, Amarillo loves their bike cops. Be warned, anybody who drives through Amarillo. Uh, they, you know they what? You should have sent cops. them to
1: that donut shop out on the uh, the west side of town, the the Krispy Kreme where they where they bake them fresh.
0: <laughs> well, well, they have the nerve. They have the nerve to have this massive bike cop program, and then at the municipal court, there is a fundraiser asking for donations. For human trafficking up on the glass of the of the municipal court uh now i have i'm fully aware that we need to donate and help stop human trafficking but when i'm already pissed off about getting a ticket for what i see as a vestige of your department and you put a yeah i was i'm not very happy so uh. well, that's a serious i mean
1: like the human trafficking thing is a serious issue and, and like look man human trafficking is slavery you know and and when it affects when it affects uh you know such a young demographic of of human beings in the world who don't have anybody to fight for them or or in situations where they're being taken advantage of i mean uh oh, I, I, I can't say anything bad. negative about it, but like i think you know, I think that traffic laws are 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 a little bit uh i don't know I've driven in Europe <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? right well, and it's the uh it's more like the mismatch of where the dollars are spent um i think that's right. what's so frustrating my my wife works at a children's shelter. Um, and so we're pretty intimate with what goes on in Amarillo, and the we're right on I 40. Um, and the human trafficking case is very bad here. Um, and if they said, Hey, we're going to deploy these bike cops to stop all the human traffickers on I 40, that would be fine. But they stop soccer moms and people like myself. <laughs> so well, you know, I they got to pay
1: their bills somehow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough but or we'll, i should we'll say you
1: gotta pay their bill somehow <laughs> yeah
0: exactly well luckily this is gonna happen after i go to court so hopefully nobody hears but <laughs> hopefully it's all settled but uh, it's not admissible in court hopefully um but so where where were we even at oh uh i liked the uh when, when you talked about black and white standards and um you had said something in there about are you are you okay with that? Like, can you can you hold to those standards to yourself? Can you live with yourself if you don't hold to those standards? Um, something that I found, um, you know, I, I've lived, and let's be honest here, most of my problems, almost 90% of my problems uh, have been first world problems. Like throughout my life, 90% of my problems have been first world. And, you know, problems are problems and, and problems are relative, you know, like I've had real problems, I've had not real problems. But what I mean by that is that uh, most of my problems have been first world problems. And I think, um, something that I've seen is with a lot of people like myself is that we're a lot of this depression or the sadness or something like that, that, that is coming from a lot of men. Uh, for me, it was when I, I wasn't okay with, I, I wasn't okay with breaking my, how do I put it? I couldn't live with myself for breaking my own standards. So you said it, can you live with yourself breaking that standard? You know, like the, the laws or whatever, um, whatever game you're playing, can you live with yourself breaking those standards? Uh, For me, talking to a lot of men uh, that are my age and and men around me, what I see the most and what I saw in myself was when I was breaking my own standards and I couldn't live with it. Um, That was when I was the most like depressed and sad. Do you have anything to offer on that front?
1: Well, I mean, when you talk about violating your own standards, that's that's what I call compromising your personal integrity, you know? and um i think that i was the least happy in my life when i was compromising my own moral integrity you know it, it, to me again i can differentiate and compartmentalize between work and my personal life you know there was a long time that i didn't think that anything that i did in my personal life had anything to do with work and i did my best to segregate the two things but a lot of times You know, the compromises that I was making in my personal life or the compromising of my integrity and my morals in my personal life would bleed over into, you know, what's going on in the back of my head in my professional life. Right. And vice versa. You know, so um, if I ever felt like I was compromising my integrity at work or or um, not adhering to that set of standards that I set to myself, well, that's all. Stuff that I'm gonna bring home with me, and it's gonna ruminate at home and it's gonna ruin my mood when I'm at home and it's gonna mess with my personal life um I'm not the I'm not a guy who's gonna sit here and tell you that you know I'm a hundred percent like freaking you know on some moral high horse. There's a lot of guys out there that really are dude they're like on a moral high horse you know, look at me. I'm like a knight in shining armor. I've never done anything wrong and stuff like that. And I know guys like this. And and typically because of my immoral behavior in my past, I've got the dirt on some of these guys. And I'm like, look, dude, I know you, <laughs> homie. And I'm not saying that you didn't change or you didn't take steps to become a better person. But I also like, I know. You know, like I I know like a little bit more about you than what you're putting out there. And and then same goes for me. There are guys that know stuff about me that I that, uh, you know, I don't readily talk about because, you know, I've done shameful things in my past. I've done things that, I you know, that that, uh, you know, haunt me to this day. And 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 there are things that, you know, I I have tried to repent for, and there are apologies that I've made. And, and there are, there are things that, that, you know, I've said to people that I'm like, wow, I shouldn't have said that. And in a lot of ways, it was like me venting whatever frustrations I was having. So when you talk about adhering to those standards, you know, what can you live with? Oftentimes it's less than what you think. You know what I mean? It's less than what you think. It's just like the whiskey story we told at the beginning. I told you at the beginning of this thing, like after I went around and I insulted all these people all night long, thinking that it was okay because whatever I was saying was true. What? It's Mm -hmm. true. There are a lot of people out there in the world be like, I can say whatever I want because it's true. Well, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be, do you want to be an asshole? You know what I mean? Like, like, do you want to be, you know, if you have to choose between, you know, ruining somebody's day or or treating somebody like dirt and being right, there's a there's a there's a way to do it. And oftentimes I was like, I don't care. It's the truth. It's right. And I would insult people and I would say things in a way that was really hard to swallow. And then looking back on it, you know, what you realize is like, man, I could have I could have, you know, delivered that a little differently and, yeah. and in those moments, again, and this comes with maturity, you know, in those moments where you feel like you need to say something or or you need to um be the person who stands up and 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 stands for whatever it is that you're standing for, you need to take into consideration what the long-term effect of your reaction or or how you deliver information is going to be. You know, the whiskey incident. Um there was some repentance that had to be made the next day. You know, I had to go on a motorcycle ride with this person and it seemed like, oh, okay, we're just going to go on a motorcycle ride. Like everything's cool. Like everything I did last night was was awesome. And then at the end of the ride or somewhere in the middle of the ride, we stopped and this person like was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, you, you're out getting drunk. You're insulting people. You're doing this, you're doing that. And then it was like a list of all the things that I said. Which I couldn't even deny that I said to all these people, you know, and I couldn't deny that I said all these things to my people and all the all those people. And, and, and what was my what was my reaction at that moment? I was like, look, I didn't say anything that wasn't true. And then this person who had a lot more uh uh emotional and social intelligence to me was like, just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that you have to deliver it that way. It doesn't mean that you have to be you know, the way that you were. But again, I mean, when you when you get into a position where, you know, you've compromised your integrity or, or, or compromised yourself in, in a way that you're not able to deal with it, oftentimes this is the way that things come out. You know what I mean? And I will say that like, you know, the reason that I was having those reactions is one is the alcohol lowered my inhibitions, but there was somebody at that event that there was some bad things that happened, and I felt like I needed to unload. You know what I mean. Yeah. I needed to unload in that moment, and you know afterwards, I didn't feel better. You know what I mean. I I felt like well, at least the truth is out there, but the way I delivered it ended up coming back to haunt me for a lot of years. So you know, it's it's um, it's it's a when you start compromising your integrity or your morals, or you start, what do you want to call it, making excuses for yourself, what you end up doing is you start living in this world of second guessing who you are as a human being. And that's not a good place to be. And that can lead to depression. That can lead to, you know, being withdrawn. That can lead to, you know, some of these states that we get into, you know, and and the more you kind of, Hope And deal with that stuff in a in a way that is healthy, the better off you're gonna be and you know sometimes it's okay to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about others and like what can I what you know okay, yeah, I'm in a bad place or i I'm feeling a certain way, but let me think about these other people involved in this scenario and how you know my decisions and words are gonna affect them and when you start thinking about others you know you can pull yourself out of that out of that um kind of dark space yeah
0: yes sir yeah i don't know if that Man. was the answer to your question it was
1: very roundabout
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i i i i think there was a lot of good stuff in there and and especially the moral standards you know um that's something that uh you know I, where where do i want to take this i've seen that a lot with some of my buddies as well um not necessarily on to to quite that level but more of just some of their beliefs that they hold are actually contradictory to their moral standards. And then you find them getting very, very like defensive because they finally realize it. You know what I'm saying? Like they believe this, but their moral standard is X. And when they finally realize that there's a conflict, it's like the world breaks for them. Um, and right. Like there's a
1: difference between their behavior and then what they're saying and maybe
0: what's going on in their heart, you know? Yeah. And you know, one thing that, so I have two things that I can relate to on that. Uh, Number one, it has to do with the way you interact with other people. And then number two is the way you interact with yourself. So where I've got experience where I can relate to what you've said uh, is the way that I interact with myself, what really made it click for me. And and this isn't to be pious or anything like that. Like I've done bad stuff, but mine was more of a less of a moral standard and more of just like a standard of the way of living. Like when I think of like my weight loss, um, it was... I finally thought about how bad it hurt when somebody that I cared about lied to me. So when my wife tells me she's gonna do something and she lies to me and doesn't do it, how bad did that hurt? And then I was like, dude, you do that to yourself every time you say you're gonna wake up early and you don't. Um, Like every time you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, you're lying to yourself. Like no wonder it's impossible for you to have any sort of confidence in what you're doing it, because you're you're hurting yourself to that level almost every day. And then you're giving yourself a pass because you are yourself, you know, like it, it's this, this feedback loop of, of lying to yourself. And like I said, mine's less of a more of less of a, I've done some, some incorrect moral things. Like what you've talked about, like the alcohol, I have multiple situations to where uh, the truth serum happened and uh, it was not good. Um, and so I've had to repent a lot, kind of like you said, repent or apologize. Repent means different things to different people. But I've had to go to those other people and apologize for what I said, you know, in that moment. But um, for me, it's always been the just lying to myself. It made me feel so gross. And it's so impossible to catch any sort of positive momentum for me when I'm in this state of lying to myself every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, and you know what? I had a conversation with somebody about
1: this last night. And the conversation involved cheating. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it never happened to me. It happened to me and I've done it as as retribution, you know, and and um, and I thought that, you know, I was entitled to that retribution in, in like 10 times over, I'm entitled to it. You know you 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 messed around on me I'm gonna mess around on you and it's gonna come back to you ten times over and it was vengeful and nasty but what you find out in that situation is like it's it's hard to live with yourself, man because mm-hmm. like you said, you're telling the lie to yourself every day that you are entitled to this retribution you're entitled to this thing. And, and then you find yourself like lying to the partner that you're with, even if they know that it's happened before, you know, you find out that you, you're lying and then you end up telling yourselves a lie that you like, you're, we're going to work through this. Like, we're going to, like, nothing has changed. We're, we're good. You know, we talked about it. We're okay. But in the back of your mind, you have this, you have this, there's always going to be that, that thing that if you don't get some professional counseling, there's always going to be this guilt. There's always going to be this suspicion. There's always going to be that betrayal, which tore down the idea of the person that you're with. Like you have one idea of the person that you're with. And that idea of the person that you're with right now It also kind of, I think Jordan Peterson really does explain it well, you know, the person that you're with now you have, you have an idea of the person that they were in the past. Okay, based on your dating and reputation and stories that you've told one another, and then you build up an idea of what the future is going to look like with that person. Well, that kind of betrayal when when you lie or you betray somebody else, not only does it rip to shreds the person that they thought you were and destroy that image, but it also destroys the image of the past person and it destroys the image of the future person and like the idea of rebuilding that with somebody can be utterly disrupted. So, you know, when it comes to infidelity, when it comes to cheating, when it comes to that kind of stuff, and again, I am not without some black marks on my my report card, you know what I'm saying? But I also learned a lot about what it really means to love and be honest and, and caring, you know, with somebody else and, and, and what you kind of hold in your hands when you have a relationship with somebody else. And, and again, I don't know if we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but um, you know, when you start lying to yourself, it destroys your own self-image. It destroys the image of who you thought what you were in your past. You know, you're portraying yourself. It destroys the image of the person that you have, you know, you know, this kind of this, this purpose you have in the future to get back to the idea of a purpose. If you're lying to yourself now, you're lying about like what that purpose in the future is going to be, you know, or who you're going to be as you move toward that purpose. So,
0: yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with you. And and um, that was something that I, I couldn't fix anything until I fixed the line to myself. And and what I had to do was a- acknowledge that I had lied in the past, like a- acknowledge that, you know, to myself of that I hadn't done the things I said I was going to do. And, you know, the answer is not to stop saying that you're going to wake up early in the morning. The answer is to prove yourself not a liar. You know, <laughs> the answer is to tell yourself to wake up in the morning, tell yourself you're going to. And then prove yourself right. Um, Because who do we, who, who means the most to us from an external circumstance, the person that tells you they're going to do something and then they come through. That's, those are the people that you can rely on, that you can trust. It's not the person that says, well, I failed you six times. I'm just not going to try anymore. Uh, It's, it's the person that says, even if they failed you six times, I'm going to do this and I'm actually going to come through to you, you know, come through for you. And then it happens once and you're like, okay, you're, we're cool. You know, like, okay, we're cool then they do it again. And you're like, damn, okay, you you've really changed. And it's it's the same thing for, for me, when I do that with myself, I, I just had to put it in terms of like, what are you doing to yourself? In, in a way that like, what if somebody else did this to you, you would be so unhappy if somebody else was doing this to you, and you're doing it to yourself over and over again.
1: Well, it's not just like the word lie can can be pretty harsh when you're talking about yourself, you know what I mean? Like you're lying to yourself. Well, sometimes you're just making an excuse. You know what I mean? In in a sense, that excuse is a lie. You know, sometimes right. you're justifying something. Well, that justification is a little bit of a lie. You know what I mean? Like, so there, there are a lot of people that spend a, a lot of time justifying or making excuses for, you know, these, these things that they tell themselves or, the, you know, explaining things, over explaining things. And 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 again, I'm guilty of it. And it's hard to stand there in the mirror and say, dude, are are you really like living up to to what you expect of yourself or are you letting yourself down? There's a great there's a great quote. uh, uh, And it's I read it in a wrestling magazine when I was a senior in high school. and It's a whole poem. But the last like kind of stanza of the poem is you may fool the whole world down the pathway of years. And get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. And that is a hard, hard thing to live up to every day to stand in the freaking mirror and say, Are you cheating yourself today? You know, have you, are you, are you living under like these false, like, uh, are, are you living with this applause? And accolades in your life that you know you don't deserve or 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 that maybe you do deserve, but also like are you just riding the wave and not really like moving forward to achieve more? And it's a blessing and a curse to be able to stand there and say those words to yourself in the mirror because you can be like, yeah, man, today, I can look at myself in the mirror but at the same time, am I cheating myself? And it can, you know, just like those kinds of internal conversations and questions can drive you on your, you know, towards your purpose or your goal. It's, it's hard, man. It's, it's a, it's hard to be a purpose driven person. You know, it's easy to you know, sit around and play rocket league for hours. You know, I, I've logged some time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was kind of, and, and that's that's almost profound in itself too, is that the easiest times in my life were like, uh, I mean, quite literally, I had a job where I could work from home um, during COVID. And so, I mean, talk about logging some hours, man, you know, like I, I actually got good at Call of Duty, um, which is a, which is amazing if you know anything about my video game skills. Um, and, but you, know, you look back and you're like, man, this is so easy. Like life is easy. I got a house. I got a good job. Uh, but then I look back and I'm like, man, what, what was funny is that the easy things were hard. So like specifically in the way of like gaining weight and and being so unathletic and, and just gross was like the easy things were the hard things to do. Like now, like picking up my foot to like tie my shoe. You know what I'm saying? Like, believe it or not, when you're fat, it's hard. <laughs> like it, it's it's hard. You know what I mean? I was living life easy, but the easy things became very, very hard. Uh, And now I live life hard and uh, the easy things are easy and the hard things continue to get easier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do see what you're saying. So we we've talked a little bit about uh, we've talked about both um, kind of this uh, lack of integrity uh, with yourself and with other people. Um, We've kind of drawn this, this picture of uh, kind of, how do you recognize it? Um, What do you do about it? How do you think about it? And then how do you resolve it? at least within yourself um you know one thing that i'm kind of uh big on lately is trying to resolve that kind of lack of integrity with other people uh kind of much like you've you've already mentioned yourself and and told a couple stories uh i was a bit of an asshole <laughs> um it still am you know still can be uh but i was very much hey buddy,
1: you i'm famous for it all right <laughs>
0: <laughs> i am infamous
1: Infamous asshole, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's not just in the in the TV business. That's military too, man. Like I've read some stuff about me where I'm just like, that's not even true. (laughs) Like like, like this guy's so angry with me that like the things that he's writing aren't even true. But
0: that's yeah. Like if you're gonna be a
1: dick, at least be right about the facts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be like, no, I was, I was actually like, it. I was, I that did happen. Just not like that. You know, like (laughs) I was that big of an asshole, but you just, you've got the facts wrong, brother, you know, like, yeah. um, But no, it's uh. so I I identify very much. So with your statement of just, I, I, when you were like, but it's true, you know, like, but it's true. I said it because it was true. And the one thing that, that really clicked with me is, as I had to get, I had to break it down and say, are you allowed to really say those things? Everybody keeps telling you, everybody keeps telling you that you don't need to say that. You don't need to say that. um, Why would you bring it up? Why would you even talk about it? And I had to, I worked it out and I was like, do you have number one, a responsibility to say these things? If you see a lie and you know the truth, do you have a responsibility to bring the truth up? And then I said, okay, um, is just the fact that you see it, is that enough? Uh, And most of the questions were yes, but then where it got me is is your truth going to be effective i think that like as a friend or as a husband or as a family member if you see a lie and you know the truth you do have a responsibility to bring that up it is within your purview of the relationship to bring that up where it got me is that the effectiveness of bringing that up is nothing if you don't have a good relationship um i learned that from from jocko willink of where look It is good and right to bring up truths. It is good and right to help somebody correct these lies that we're telling ourselves. If they're telling themselves a lie, it's not good. You're not a good friend to let them live in that, in that desperation or that depression, but you can't do anything if you don't have a good relationship with them. And so that needs to come first. And that's, do do you, do you see any truth in that? Cause that, that completely changed the way that I, that I dealt with my friends, my wife, and everybody because I, I identified with what you said. It it's true though. I just had to change the way that I said it.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I I identify with what you're saying, you know, the idea that like a truth has to be spoken, but there is there is, you know, there is a politeness that is often ignored in in today's society. The idea of being polite, um and courteous to other people. And it's something that I've kind of grabbed onto as I've gotten older, you know, courtesy is contagious, politeness counts, you know, like go back to your roots. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And, and just the idea of presenting, you know, your, yourself in a way that respects other people and their feelings. Now there are times in your life And in everyone's life where people are going to be disrespectful to you. But the best, the thing that I found, the best thing that I found, you know, when somebody's being disrespectful to you is to give them respect. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's to give them something that they're not giving you. And in a way, it's kind of twofold. One, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm not going to let this person get under my skin. But also, you know, by doing that, it can disarm people in a lot of ways. And it can create an environment that's more open to the idea of having a discussion about whatever, you know, needs to be discussed. Um, yeah, I used to be the guy to be like, that's not true. That's a lie. Or, you know, get super confrontational about it. And, um, and uh, you know, very quick to jump on, you know that sort of bandwagon and, and be the guy that lit the torch and carried it, you know, toward the castle wall. And we're going to burn down this whole institution over these lies. You know, I was going to lead the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> what you often don't see is like the people falling back as you're like running toward the portcullis. You know I mean? They're yeah. like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to flank. We're going to flank the position, yeah. you know, taking things head on like that. Uh, one, I think that it's a it's a youthful assumption to to have the idea that just because something's true, it means you can say it however you want. Again, going back to if you have to decide between being true and being kind, you it, choose kindness because you can always get to the truth later. You know what I mean? Like you can always get to that. And then what kind of environment are you in when, you, when, when you're talking about those sorts of things? I mean, you know, again, coming back to my whiskey fueled rant, you know, at the, that second event that night in Hollywood, well, you know, it wasn't my event. I was invited there and me going on my truth kick was disruptive to everybody that was there because I felt like I needed to do something. And it was almost like narcissistic in a way, you know what I mean? Like I need to relieve myself of this thing that I've been dealing with and I'm going to share it with everybody. Well, that's not okay. You know what I mean? There, there is a time and a place for those, those sorts of, those sorts of, of um, revelations, you know, and, and, We're not often good at choosing, you know, those things and those times, but we get better as time goes on, often through bad experiences. I was never taught as a child that there was never... Uh, a, a wrong time to bring up truth. My parents were the kind of parents that would smack the shit out of you in front of your friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like the truth is coming right here, whether you want it to or not. You know what I mean? It's We're going to have it out like in the moment, in front of friends, family, wherever we were. You know, if, if there was a confrontation, it was going to happen right there. And when you grow up in that sort of thing, and then of course in the military, everything is handled like on the spot, right there in the moment. And, um, you know, other than like UCMJ actions and, and stuff like that, 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 that tends to be on the backside, but a lot of, a lot of things are just handled in the moment, you know, in the harshest way you can possibly imagine. So, you know, especially verbally and and you know, as you become an adult and a civilian, you know, you learn that, uh, that's not always the most effective way. One, to maintain relationships with people and 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 again get to the bottom of of what's what needs to be gotten to the bottom of you know the the issue at hand
0: yeah and I think trying to find that trying to find that um really they go they go hand in hand, but trying to walk that line of making sure that person knows that you will give them their truth and their respect and that they can eat them both. Um, you know what I'm saying? That they can have both their truth and their respect. Uh, that was something that, um, like I said, I, I had to learn very, very quickly because, you know, friendships started to deteriorate, um, you know, family connections started to deteriorate. And it's like, look, you, I, I've i always been the guy that people have come to when they really want to hear the truth. Cause they know that I won't compromise on it. You know what I'm saying? They, they know that, if my friends come to me and they say, Hey, do you think this is a good idea? They know whether I, if if I do, or if I don't, they know I'm not going to blow smoke up their ass. Um, And what I had to do was make sure that uh, they knew that I was delivering that truth with respect. And they knew that no matter what I did respect them. And there were ways and and times that I had presented that truth to where they felt like they were being disrespected. Maybe I did it in front of somebody or maybe I didn't fully hear them out. things like that to where they felt like it was lopsided or they were getting one without the other. That's when it just fell flat. It's like, you're, you're being so ineffective. And even like I think about even from a religious standpoint of, of being a steward of the truth, like if you're able to accurately see the truth or you're given the truth, you don't really get to see it. You get, you don't see it. You get to see it. But if you're being an accurate, if you're being a good steward of what you say is the truth, you should use it in the most effective way possible. So, like, if you're going to tell somebody the truth, it's very irresponsible for you to do it if it's going to be ineffective. Do you get what I'm saying? I and do. I,
1: I do understand what you're saying. And, and like coming back to the religion thing, let's 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 get into the let's get into like what what that truth looks like. There are there are a million pastors in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're all over the place: pastors, preachers, Baptists. You know, uh, not Baptists, but uh, bishops and popes and and all this stuff. Like, okay, you you all claim to be, you know, sort of like uh, stewards of the truth, right? Right. But how are you delivering your message? You know what I'm saying? Like somebody that delivers the message with kindness, firmness, and conviction— is somebody that I'm gonna want to talk to and go to church with. Like that where I go to church, my pastor is great, man. He's he's a funny guy, he's a very kind man, but he also delivers his message in a way that makes me feel like, man, if you don't get your shit together, you might not make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I appreciate the way that he delivers that message because again, there's this standard that you have to adhere to and if you're not adhering to that standard if you haven't taken those steps towards like that goal you ain't gonna be there buddy you know and and like i appreciate that kind of honesty and the way that he delivers that message now there are some people that aren't willing to say hey there's a downside to this whole religion thing you know what i mean like if you're not taking the steps you ain't gonna be there they won't say that they'd be like oh yeah everybody's in." but then yep. but then there are also the fire and brimstone people you know the hell hath no fury and and you know that real old testament you know fire and brimstone stuff that that can be a little bit um you know like i i mean you're giving it to me but like you're you're not really letting me see a way out either you're not really letting me see that there's any redemption at the end of like you know the, the this litany of sins that i've committed in my life so again it's like how do you how are you going to deliver that message you know and and that has an effect on whether or not your message is received and, and whether or not people are going to respond to your message
0: right and so and i'm very very new to theology and i mean i i was raised in the south we all went to church you know what i'm saying like um i was raised in the south most of us went to church and i've been in church for a while got out of it a little bit but New to this higher level of thinking into theology, um, and so there may be some things that I say now and as the conversation goes on that are incorrect. So caveat, caveat no, no, caveat. I wasn't
1: correcting uh, you. I was just using no, 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 the, just uh, that as no. a,
0: as an example, right? Well, what I'm saying is is probably where I say I might I may make some mistakes just getting into it, but um, you know that's something to where you know, believe you me. I've got like- flack
1: over some of my religious views. You know what I mean? Like I've caught some <laughs> flack. I've said some. I've said some things that people are like, oh, well, you
0: ain't going to be there. You're not well, going to make it, kid. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. They, uh, yeah, well, and well, when we talk about delivery, I think it's so important because, like, I don't think it's a matter of salvation. From what I know, I don't think it's a matter of salvation, but it's definitely when you talk about the responsibilities that, that come with that level of salvation, uh, one thing that has been brought up recently is to go and make disciples. Um, that, you know, one of one of the things we are called to do, and, and again, I don't know whether it's a matter of salvation or not. I don't think it is from what I've heard, but that you're still called to go make disciples. Jesus says, hey, it would be really cash money if you went and made some disciples. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's part of that delivery is like, you can hold the truth. Let's say you're right on the dot. You believe in the truth, the, you know, the word of God, you, you've got it correct. Um you're still not if you're not able to go make disciples with that truth, you're still missing the calling that that he's called you that you've been called to do you know what I'm saying um yeah, and that was yeah that, that was here's the it, thing
1: that I feel about I think that there are people that in this world that are given that gift, you know what I mean or they recognize the gift or they receive the gift or they stumble upon the gift of 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 um the ability to be a great. Order and advocate for religion right. uh, whatever religion that is uh i used to claim to be an atheist like i didn't believe in any of it i thought it was all horse shit you know right. and then you know I, through study and reflection and research and and let's face it man like when you're lost you can't find yourself you yeah. know what i mean Like, nobody that was ever lost in the history of being lost found themselves out of a situation. Somebody had to go find them. Or, I mean, there are your rare occasions, you know what I mean? But, you know, the the whole idea of, like, you got to find Jesus. I'm like, well, well, I'm lost. He's going to have to find me, you know. But how, how does that even start, okay? Like, you don't have a compass. You don't have a map. You don't have any of this stuff. But... But there are people out there in the world that are good at guiding people in the right direction. They're good at finding those that are lost and guiding them to a place where they're not lost anymore. I am not one of those people. I'm one of those people that when we start walking towards your objective, I'm going to ask you a million questions about it. And then I'm going to develop my own attitudes and opinion about it. And I'm going to try to like have a have a philosophical conversation about it. And (laughs) you'll just leave me behind. You'll be like, all right, I can't take this anymore. This guy's, he's driving me crazy. I'm out. You know, like, like, but, but like, that's how I learn. That's how I process things. And, and again, I, I like to say that I'm a spiritual person, you know what I mean? I believe in, uh, I believe in, in, in different, I believe in different things. Um, I think that religion, it's not just one thing. It's probably a combination of everything uh, that's out there in in some way. And, you know, when it comes to Christianity itself, I I do believe that there is a God that lives outside of our universe that created everything. You know what I mean? Like, where is he? Well, he's outside of it all because he created it all. Uh, I do believe that jesus existed and that he probably was a very influential person i mean obviously he was a very influential person in his time and like his 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 legacy and the things that he that he brought to the table for christianity you know uh, continue to persist to this day Uh, i believe in like you know the old testament in a lot of ways but i also believe that there are Stories in the old testament that are more um, what do you want to call it? Uh what do you call it? Like uh, I can't think of the word. Like 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 Lot's wife, right? Yeah. Lot's when when Lot was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and Lot and his wife were, were leaving, and and God said, just don't look back. Just don't yeah. look back, just leave Sodom and Gomorrah and don't look back. And Lot's wife turned around and looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. To me, that is a metaphor for like, stop looking into the past. You're going to get salty. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean?
0: Like <laughs> yeah. Look towards the future,
1: you know? I, so, you know, so it, there are, I, again, that's, that's what it means to me. And, and there is right. truth in that like, cause a lot just kept moving along and, you know, his wife spent all this time looking in the past and she was just salty about it. And like, you know, she ended up staying back there in the past. You know, salty, a pillar of salt, whatever. But, um, but, and again, I'm probably gonna catch so much shit over this. But to me, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Some of them are just stories with morals to me, or, or almost like Aesop's fables. You know what I mean? Like the cricket and the grasshopper. I mean, there's truth in that. There is truth in, in, in a lot of these things. And, and I think truth, going back to our original, the integrity, the truth and everything else, I think truth is probably the highest form of, of uh, kind of aspiration that we can ha- have, like truth with ourselves, truth with our families, you know, truth with the people around us and in our communities. I think that's the highest aspiration that we can we can, you know, kind of, look toward is being a truthful person. Uh, and, and again, that's a person with integrity. That's a person with standards. That's a person who, who believes that other people are just trying to also, you know, kind of find their kind. And I hate that. I hate that term. Well, my truth, my truth, that's my truth. Well, you know, your truth is kind of bullshit sometimes too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sometimes your truth is the lie that you're telling yourself so that you can live with yourself until tomorrow morning, you know what I mean? Like, and and you know, there are people that don't want to admit that. They'll Be like, oh, that's my truth. I'm like, well, then just because that's what you believe doesn't mean that that's what's actually true.
0: I, yeah, I've heard. You know, when you get into like more to more morative. Good lord, uh, when when you get into like moral and uh, like truth relativism, it gets really sticky really quick. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like I, I read, man, what was it that I read the other day? I wish I could remember what it was. Um, but basically it was just maybe it was Romans. I don't remember. But basically, when you get into this idea that everybody's standards um are equal or everybody's morals are equal, it just it just falls so flat. You know what I'm saying? Like we do know that there is there is a right or a wrong. Like you can't just have your own, you can't have your own because that. That's yeah, not true, I don't, I don't agree with that and and, and here's the reason I don't
1: agree with that here Here's the reason I don't agree with that, okay, so like let's look at you know just differences in cultures. there are different moral standards in every culture and 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 a lot of times these are things that are ingrained from you know birth and they're generational, you know the idea of having multiple wives you know there are some people in the world that like oh my god that's terrible it's the worst thing ever like why would you ever want more than one <laughs> but yeah. but then but then in some cultures there's nothing morally wrong with it and it's accepted it's acceptable um there are there are there are some cultures in the world that were like oh no you should never cover up the female body that's morally and ethically not correct but having been married to uh uh, uh a woman whose father was a Muslim, you get the other side of the story. Well, like if nobody's looking at my wife, there's never any real reason for jealousy. There's never any reason for lust. There's never any reason for uh, coveting your neighbor's wife or anything that your neighbor has. You kind of, by, by doing that, you eliminate certain moral uh, uh, issues or, or things that come up in societies. Uh, you know, so Again, it's all about like the culture that you come from. So, you know, when you, when, we, when we talk about morals, morals are individual standards of behavior. You know what I mean? Like, so morally, there are a lot of people in the world that couldn't freaking, you know, go into the military, pick up a firearm and kill other people for their government. Because to them, it's morally, that's that violates thou shalt not kill. Right? You're killing other people. You know, that violates the tenth commandment, which is actually translated, thou shalt not murder. But like morally, it's justifiable to the soldier. It's justifiable to the to, to the guy who's engaging in the combat because his moral purpose or his moral ideas say that it is. So, you know, when you talk about morals, again, it's something that's flexible across cultures, across regions, even in the United States. There are some people in the world that are like, oh, my God, it is morally wrong to be a homosexual. Well, homosexuality to me is genetic. You know what I mean? I mean, to me and like here's the thing. I have a I was married before to a woman who had uh, uh, two kids from a previous marriage. And one of them turned out to be gay. And for some reason, even when he was very young, I already knew it. Like I already knew it. He hadn't had sex with anybody else. He hadn't been with anybody else. Nobody was introducing that kind of stuff into his life. He wasn't exposed to it, but he came out years and years later. Do I love him less? No am i concerned about some of the, some of the things that 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 go on in you know culturally or or some of the uh, some of the issues that that you know are a part of you know the gay community yeah i'm absolutely concerned about that but like there's no doubt in my mind that that's just the way it is and then i know some people that are gay by choice I lived with a woman who was gay by choice, married to a man for 20 years, and then decided to give up on men and just gay by choice and like morally justifiable according to her. And I, of course, I'm again, like not being a judgmental person about that kind of stuff. Like I can't say that that violated any kind of moral integrity that I had. That's your business. That's your own personal moral compass. I have my personal moral compass, I hope that it points north most of the time. But sometimes that compass, again, when we talk about infidelity, sometimes that compass is freaking 45 degrees off in the wrong direction. And I'm following that. You know what I mean? And being able to, you know, kind of stay tuned into your own moral compass and, and, you know, staying on true north as much as you possibly can is probably better than looking at other people's compasses
0: yeah yeah i see i see what you're saying and and i've heard i've heard the ideas expressed before um it's kind of i don't have the words to really articulate my point in the in the best way that i would like to um i i I don't uh i would if i could phone a friend um because (laughs) i have i have a lot of these questions as well um i i do i am kind of stuck on on the idea that I think there is a, a moral right and wrong that that has to be above all humans, um, in one way or another. I think I think that's the only way that we could really truly aspire to be right or wrong or good or bad is if it's above us. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, I like the Ten Commandments. I, I like, the like the Ten, Ten Commandments,
1: Commandments, and I like the Golden Rule, and none of them yeah. says "Thou shalt not be gay." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? I, uh... <laughs> Um I mean I know there's some Old Testament stuff going on you know what I mean but I think that's mostly about personal hygiene you know what I mean like don't eat a pig you know okay well eat. trichinosis was a big deal back then it made sense don't eat pigs you know don't have don't commit sodomy well like yeah that makes sense cuz that's a dirty act you know what I mean like <laughs> you don't want to get a UTI or any kind of weirdness going on so yeah um so let's let's you want to shift then, gears, don't you?
0: <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just cause I don't, I don't have the, I, I don't have the tools and it's so hard to have some of these conversations, not in person. It just really is. Um, right. For me, for me at least. And, um, are you starting to sweat a little bit? No, I know. I know what you're saying. And I know, I, I understand how you feel. Uh, I just wish I had the words to be able to articulate how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. because I, the, the the moral relativism thing, it's something that I've been accused of in the past as well, and it's something that I, I just – it's been made a point to me, and I know why I believe that we should have one right or one wrong. Um, I just can't articulate it very well, but uh, I, I think it's probably for the best if we, if we do move on just because um, I don't think that I have the words to to be able to come to a point of agreement on it. Um, but what is – Well, that's uh, the cool what... thing about opinions, man. We don't have to agree.
1: We don't have to agree. Like, like I, 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 I like it when people disagree with me. I like it when we can have an intelligent, you know, back and forth conversation or even debate about something that we don't agree on. Because not only does it ignite, you know, some thoughts and ideas in your head and maybe like change your perspective or maybe not even change your perspective, but it also does the same thing for me. And it helps me. It helps, you know, having a disagreement can help you evolve into a more understanding individual or even like a a more developed individual. If you can have that disagreement and talk through it with another person, whether you agree at the end of that conversation or not is besides the point. And and again, I'm half Greek, you know what I mean? Like, I think debate... (laughs) debate is just built into my dna you know what i mean and and the idea of debating philosophy or anything like that like uh, like bring it on buddy let's talk about nothing for six hours
0: and and i'm no stranger to those conversations and any friend that any friend of mine will know that more than willing to have those and i think where i where i do struggle with some of these is i've found what i believe is is truth um in 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 religion and in christianity and in the bible that i think that there's no doubt about it and the problem is when you start let's let's go this way when you start a disagreement without when you already know that we have certain disagreements about what is truth uh, i see very little ways that those can go like that it can go anywhere positive you know what i'm saying like you and i've right. we've built a good relationship I, it obviously i mean i think we're getting it we're having a good conversation you want to be I'm friends no more at, i do i really want to be i really want to shake your hand because it would be so cool but no uh the where i'm stuck is like i know that you and i have disagreements because we've we've stated them on what the the truth of the bible is like the truth of god is right and that's what i'm trying to build that's what i'm currently trying to build my belief system off of and so it's not that i have any problem that we disagree it's not that i don't think that we could come to an agreement or have a good discussion i just don't have the firmest handling the firmest handle on what I believe my truth comes from in in order to articulate it because I know like I already know that's where our point of disagreement is going to end up at right right you and I if we had started on the gay thing I could argue to that truth but now that I know we already disagree on the truth it's like well I don't know how to that's where I'm stuck in discovering right now you know what I'm saying like well, um, I
1: mean, I don't know if it's that we disagree on the truth. We, we It's it's differing. It's deference diff, uh, in philosophy almost or, or, you know, because, again, like the truth of it is ambiguous at this point for, again, for me, you know what I mean? Right. For you, you might be like solid on it and I'm just giving you something to think about. You
0: know, yeah, but uh, I, I think that's what it is. I think I'm I'm solid on it. I just don't know how to articulate it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like, I, I'm solid on it. I just don't like I don't have the <laughs> the words. Uh, learning them, though. Trying to learn them. Um, Do you believe in natural
1: selection? Uh,
0: natural select the the theory that, the Darwinian like the theory of natural yeah. selection. I I think it's it's rather obvious. Um, I think that when you talk about certain attributes, providing certain advantages in our world, uh, I believe it exists okay, um, as far okay. as if that's where we got our, if that's where we so, got our creation. So what if there
1: so. are some people who are in the world that were naturally selected to not procreate, therefore they're not attracted to the opposite sex? Uh,
0: the problem I would have with that <laughs> is that, so, well, you got you gotta let me answer. Any any point in Darwinism, the reason that Darwinism and natural selection works is because it, it furthers it enhances their ability to survive in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my simple biological reply to that is that I don't think that the lack of ability to procreate or the lack of desire to procreate has any advantage to continue the existence of their species. So when you talk no, about that defenses, individual
1: from propagating. What do you mean? So natural selection says that the biggest, strongest, fastest, healthiest, and, and like the most genetically superior uh, uh, um, specimens from any species are the ones that are going to procreate, right? Those are the ones that are going to move forward. And again, we're talking about animals versus human beings, Right. But right. if you believe in like the Darwinian theory of natural selection and like human evolution and all of this other stuff, and, and, and if you can acknowledge that, then it might also be true that, you know, homosexuality is part of the natural selection process. There's something genetically defective in naturally, genetically defective in individuals who are homosexual and they are just naturally not attracted to the opposite sex because they were never meant to procreate in the first place.
0: Okay, so what you're asking is it is if whether it's you're asking on more of a, of a of a genetic basis of yeah, yeah, it's it more science a it's a
1: more of a science theory than a than a than a religious theory.
0: I, you know I, I wouldn't completely disagree with that. I don't think that that would make it right though. do you get what I'm okay. saying um okay could it, could it could it could it be a, a genetic uh, I think some people are, you know, they have genetic predispositions to something like schizophrenia, and we're getting in very tough realms. And no way <laughs> am I saying that that homosexual, homosexuality is equivalent to schizophrenia, but um, simply saying that... I did not genetic- say that. You said that. I didn't say that. I, well, I'm trying to not say that. What I'm saying is that I don't think that genetic authority... Um, I don't think that genetic genetic differences give you any sort of authority to um to not follow what is right and true and good does that make sense okay. Um, okay. if i'm genetically predisposed you know if i'm genetically predisposed to be a liar or a psychopath like if, if i'm genetically predisposed to lie kill and steal i don't think that that gives you any sort of authority to do so right d- but, d- do like, what I'm saying?
1: but most psychopaths are made
0: they're not born yeah. Are they? I guess that's a question for me. Is, is Through is, circumstances. Is...
1: I w- I would say through circumstances, di- you know, different ways that they were raised or or uh things that happen in their lives. You know, most. And, and again, I'm not saying that this is this is the 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 there are exceptions to the rule. But most most people who are psychopaths or, or sociopaths or even even like that, there are factors in their lives
0: that contribute to
1: that to that behavioral disorder that mental illness you know
0: and and i would also you bring up a good point when when you say the phrase exceptions to the rule um i think if we're going to establish any sort of genetic exception that means we have to establish a genetic rule okay um and and i think that we can i think that we're given this gift of being able to establish scientific rules that are in in accordance with what is metaphysically right and true and good does right. that make sense okay um okay. i, I you,
1: respect you your position
0: okay and <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i i I, re- I respect uh i respect your willingness to talk about it very much so because most people won't yeah um, most people won't at all i had a i had a former neighbor over where we uh we cracked open a couple bottles of whiskey uh not not sequentially but at the same time and drank from them a little bit so um had two or three bottles of whiskey open and uh we actually had this exact conversation and it was a really, uh, it was a really interesting one. And it's, it's one that, um, I'm very fond of having the other one is what I like talking. The three most things that I like talking about, uh, is probably, well, I don't know that gays at the top three, uh, marriage, um, abortion and guns. Those are, those are the things that I really just love to sit and talk about, you know? Um, and we had that conversation, but you seem, you seem to be, uh, I don't know why I expected anything different, but you seem I have very opinions like, on all
1: that stuff, man.
0: <laughs> well, you seem very much like me in the, uh, in the willingness to have those conversations and the enjoyment of them. Um, and yeah, I don't know that yeah. I, I, I should expect anything different, but Oh, I um, like, I like, anyway. I like
1: how uncomfortable you got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I did, you know, it's, well, it's always weird when you have, when you have somebody that you really like, like and respect and you want to do you want to do them right on your show or like have you know you, you want to have the utmost positive experience when you have somebody on an episode like this yeah. and so when you do have disagreements it always puts you in like a tough position no you know man don't, like,
1: don't feel like that at all like like i'm just but, a am just a regular dude man like that's the thing <laughs> well i do I think last I do night assume, uh, last week i was like challenging a bunch of people to have fistfights just for the hell of it
0: <laughs> well i mean that's that's a military thing dude uh, well maybe not but uh, I know a lot of my vet friends. They're like, "Bro, you want to fight right now?" <laughs> and it's like, yeah, "Not, not really. Actually, I, I, I don't."
1: <laughs> like, we can uh, still have a beer afterwards, but I just want you to punch me in the face a few times.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, that uh, intellectual and physical combat is something that I'm no no stranger to. But um, I do want to get to what is Will Willis doing next. We are on a little bit of a of a time constraint. You started at 9:30. Uh, I got to get up at 4:20, and so uh, I want to get to what Will Willis has next um what are you doing next how are you uh making that money flow what what does the nine to five look like and what does the future of will willis uh have to hold well look man like <clears throat> when it comes to
1: the television industry i'm not doing anything in the television industry space Um i think i kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths with uh you know kind of the way that i i went about expressing myself and and kind of and and again these are things that i have to live with decisions that i made um you know about how i disagreed with some of the things that were happening in 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 my career and and with the show that i was on okay these are things and again when you talk about like being able to reflect on on how you interact with other people, I didn't do it in the best way I possibly could. Did I feel righteous in my convic- convictions? Yes, but sometimes that can lead to an uncompromising situation where you know you're the asshole. Like you're the asshole that's calling other people assholes. You know, instead of instead of engaging in a in a, in a more productive way, I was I felt like you know in my situation I was right. They were wrong. I was telling the truth and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the industry is a small space, especially when you talk about like being a a host or, you know, you know, you've got networks like history and discovery and they're all very interconnected. And I worked for one of the biggest reality TV producers in the world, ITV, at the time. So you have the ability sometimes to sully your own reputation, even though, you know, you have the, the, you don't lack the courage of your convictions, right? So, and and I think that COVID hitting right after, you know, I left the television or left that show or got released from the show, um, didn't help. And then I started to get into a little bit of like producing i wanted to produce my own content my and i'm not talking like social media content like i give a shit about tiktok videos i really don't i'll put a reel out every now and again you know Mm -hmm. i'll talk about men's mental health but i'm not looking to get paid off that stuff i'm not doing you know a whole lot of advertising uh, you know, I, I'm not like I don't know how people do that. I don't know how people make money off of social media. I'm too old for it, you know. I'm too Gen X, <laughs> you know what I mean? To to be able to understand how somebody's turning a freaking a TikTok reel into millions of dollars, I don't get it. Um, right. because I'm not just going to endorse any old product out there on the. I I don't know product endorsements or whatever. I don't know how they do it, but um, so. I started, um, kind of producing my own content. I did a documentary film about the marijuana industry, specifically my ex-wife's family. I put that out in like 2021. And again, it's like me sitting in my computer, editing all this, all this content and trying to put together a compelling documentary and then format it in a way that, uh, that's acceptable and up to industry standards. Well, again, that's something where it's trial and error, you know, either you, either you do it well or you don't do it well. And while I think the documentary was well done, I don't think it really reached um, the right people to be on Netflix or Amazon or anything like that. And again, you're talking about mixed media. So some of the footage is, you know, not, you know, 4k, you know, some of the footage is like 1080p and you know, some of it is like, you know, cell phone footage and stuff like that. And, and I think, you know, and you can watch it. It's called grow together. It's on YouTube. Um, It's like a 53 minute documentary about my ex-wife's family and their business. Um, And kind of the difficulties and some of the illusions that people have about, you know, the, the cannabis industry out here in California and um so anyway they owned an entire grow operation and all this stuff so uh you know we kind of did that put a lot of money into it made sure everybody got paid and then didn't really make any money off of it so you know that's that's you know just kind of the risk of like investing yourself or being an executive producer of your your own stuff and then i recently had a short film in the in the la film festival that did pretty well got like a bronze award you can't watch it anywhere but i did a short film last uh, with a friend of mine jack Garwar, who has a movie on amazon called low rollers if you want to check out jack's work but uh we had a short film that did pretty well at a recent film festival it was the first one we submitted for Um, So I'm really, you know, trying to take a turn towards producing stories and content that I enjoy and working with people that I enjoy. The the idea of having a small team of like-minded professionals who want to be creative and who want to, you know, kind of show what can be done, you know, outside of the normal channels, especially when it comes to entertainment. I I think I wrote three screenplays this year, Um, not of anything that's out, but for people who asked me to write screenplays for them. And again, it's one of those things like you you write something for somebody and they either like it or they don't. You either get paid or you don't get paid. I recently finished a a novel called Kodiak that is in the editing process. And it's basically about a suicidal guy or a guy, uh, a suicidal guy who goes to Alaska to, you know, kill himself or, and it turns out that there's a lot of things preventing him from doing that. And it is a faith based sort of story, but not in a conventional way. You know, the idea that even if you don't want it to happen, there can be things that put you on a different path. Um, So again, that, that I just finished that in, I think June and it got kicked back from my editor, um, just this last month. So I'll be looking to make some changes with that. And then, um, and then, I mean, other than those creative sort of things, I mean, I'm not really, I have my goal, you know what I mean? I have my goal, but I'm more focused now on like not necessarily being successful in my career. Okay. That's something for like young men. Okay. I I've, I've achieved a lot in my life. I would rather be a successful father. I'd rather be a successful partner to somebody. I'd rather be, I think I'd rather be successful in my interpersonal relationships and and work on those sorts of things and and work on the idea that you know anything that I'm contributing you know from this point forward is more about like okay yeah I'm being creative you know but I used to look at things like I'm a PJ I'm a ranger I'm a TV show host and I let those things define like who I was as a person I didn't know like who I was as a person you understand what I'm saying like and and I think especially when you get into like the military and special operations and you're a young guy you let those things define you and then you try to you know embody those you know things and what they are well I'm an army ranger break glass in case of war I'm I'm a badass. I'm a tough guy. I'm this, I'm that. Well, that's just the job that you have, man. And it's going to go away one day. Who are you going to be when that job goes away? Same thing with like being a PJ, any kind of, any kind of job, who are you at the end of that day to your kids? You know, and I know that we said we were going to talk a little bit about parenting and it's kind of the one of the things that I, I want to just address right now is, is like being a good parent is hard, dude. And especially like you're a young man. You got any kids?
0: Uh, I have one on the way. I'll have
1: one here in March. Okay, man. And being a good parent is a hard thing to be, you know, That's because. Right. And a lot of us blame our parents for shit. Like, oh, my dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. And I had this revelation quite a few years back where I was, you know, I heard one of my family members complaining about our dad. And I was like, bro, we're almost 50 years old. Like, when are we going to stop? When are we going to let it go? And just like be responsible for like, you know, okay, that happened. Sure. But it shouldn't influence us for the entire rest of our lives. Or it shouldn't have this kind of detrimental effect. It could be something we joke and laugh about. Or it could be something that we just talk about, but it shouldn't be something that we're continuing to dwell on 40 years after an incident, right? Like we need to put some things to bed. So when you talk about being a parent, I I think it was the revelation that like, I am not a good parent. You know what I mean? Like I try to be a good parent, but I see people out there, they're like killing it, dude. Like they're at all their kids' events. I wasn't at all my kids' events. They're packing school lunches and they're doing this and they're doing that. And their kids are their world. For me, I was too busy trying to be good at a job to worry about being a good parent. And I thought that me being good at a job and bringing home a paycheck was going to somehow make me a good parent. And that just wasn't true. Or me being on television was going to make my kids proud of me. Well, my kids would probably have wanted to spend time with me rather than watching me on freaking TV. You know what I mean? Because I was away from my oldest boys a lot. You know, they're 25 and 23 now. And there are a lot of things that in the pursuit of my own goals and purpose, you know, those selfish sort of endeavors, I ignored the things that are going to be my legacy. And those are my sons, that's my family. That's, man, those are my children. And, and so when you talk about like, what's in the future for me, I got a three-year-old son. You know what I mean? that dude right now is the most important thing to me along with my, my other boys, because without that relationship, there's no way to carry a legacy forward. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. People are going to be able to, you know, watch Forged in Fire like on YouTube or whatever freaking social media crap comes out down the road. But nobody's going to know anything about me. You know, my you know, my legacy is my children and the morals and the integrity and the standards and the things that I pass on to them that they can pass on to their kids and somehow through them create a better future for themselves and you know so I I look at it that way yeah I don't care about a job I don't care about a job I care about like being able to spend time I mean I do I got to pay my bills but not like where I think that I need to create some sort of like a a job isn't a purpose for me anymore you know what I'm saying yes sir like it's it's my purpose is like to be a good dad yeah. Yes, sir.
0: No, I, I like that a lot. And then a lot of the uh the fathers that I meet, the the good ones they have, they're in alignment with that. Um there was something that uh that said that your 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 boss, when you retire, your boss will hardly ever remember the days that you worked late, but your kids will remember them forever. Um and so hundred percent that, Yeah, that's something that I'm going to take very seriously when And here's you know. the thing, it
1: ain't just gonna be your kids that remember. It's going to be you that remembers. And, and you know what? My my 23-year-old son, senior year of high school, I made it a point to fly from New York to every single one of his home football games because I knew it meant the world to him that I was there. And I didn't have physical custody of my sons. I was not capable of taking care of them on a day-to-day when I was doing those those television shows, or when I was contracting, or when I was in the military, i I wasn't the guy. I couldn't right. do that and and one of the one of the things that I missed out on because of the careers and the jobs that I chose, and this idea of like chasing a, a dream or a goal that was kind of outside the norm, the things that I missed out on were the things that my dad got to do. My dad was home every day. My dad made dinner almost every night. We sat down as a family almost every night at the dinner table. I can't say that I was able to do that with my sons. And so my influence on them was almost like as uncle dad, uncle right. dad, he's here, he's gone. He flies us out. We see him for a little while. He sends us home. He's hard on us when, when he, when we're there, you know, and thank God when he sends us away, because, you know, and, and again, when I say your kids aren't the only ones that are going to remember those times, like as a parent, you're going to remember the times you weren't there, the times okay. that you couldn't do anything, the times where you are just talking to them on the telephone and they're crying on the other end and there's nothing you can do. You can't reach out to them. You can't hug them. You can't touch them. There, it, those are the things that 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 are going to persist as a parent are the time again the times that you weren't there. The times you were there, yeah, absolutely. Those are great memories. But and you and you wanna you wanna pass on from this life with as many good memories as you can compared to like the regrets. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's a, just a little bit of advice from like bad dad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well well taken and uh it, it, it comes with a lot of weight. Um, there's something, something that is always very different about a man that's giving advice, um, based on things he wish he had done better versus things he thinks he thinks he's done right. So a man who gives advice based on admission of his faults versus, uh, declaration of his, of his rights, uh, there's something different and something heavier about that advice, uh, for me anyway. And I think that there will be for the listeners as well, especially those that are, that are my age that are just getting started. You know, I don't have a lot of um really, you know, older dads that listen to a lot of this. It's it's a lot of young guys like me who are just getting started that um hearing that um hearing those words of caution and that uh maybe course recorrection for some, uh, just know that I know it's gonna have a positive effect. And so I appreciate you sharing it, sharing it here.
1: Absolutely, man. No problem.
0: Yeah. So Man, I think it's a it's a good time to wrap it up. I really do think we've had a, an awesome episode. And again, it's it's something that I, I'm i so excited that I get to do this. Uh, cool. and everybody's like, everybody's like, how? And I'm like, I just Instagram, bro. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> how you just send a message and you ask um, not to tell like, don't no, please. You know what?
1: You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But no, it's been really awesome. I know my family is going to be super excited. Uh, to listen to this. Will, do you have any, any last words, any last thoughts for us?
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I really want to go to that Krispy Kreme out there on the West side of Amarillo that, you know, the <laughs> one where they make the fresh donuts. I've been Dude, there. Need, I need... used to live in Albuquerque. So every time I drove through Amarillo, that was like a stop for me. Yeah. So if you yeah. haven't been there, go there. It's amazing. But no, I appreciate yeah, but... that. I appreciate you um, inviting me onto your podcast. I'm sorry if I talked about myself too much.
0: <laughs> no no that was that was exactly the idea was for you to talk about yourself and if you do drink with the Krispy Kreme uh in Amarillo make sure you're driving under the speed limit uh, that's all <laughs> I have to say <laughs> uh that is, that is all I have to say Will it has been absolutely awesome um if you don't mind hanging around after I hit the end of the record button uh I need just a few little things from you uh so, so it's gonna be easy stuff but just so that I can get the episode posted so gotcha. um everybody this has been will willis on the purpose podcast you're listening to uh the regular what i call the sunday series where we invite guests on and we talk uh, to people about their purpose actually i forget every single time will where can we find you uh what, what are your at's? um i know you mentioned some of the documentaries that you've done but we're Yeah, I think
1: fire. uh I'm MI4486 on on YouTube. You know, you can watch the Ranger Roll video there. You know, you can watch the documentary there. Um uh on Instagram, um uh whiskey to whiskey. And uh, that's it, bro. Like that's that's it. Awesome. I don't uh I don't really mm-mm. I don't mess around with the TikTok. I don't I don't mess around <laughs> with the cheater freaking snappy chat. I don't mess around with that stuff. I don't have an, I, I don't have the, the Apple cheater watch. You know, I've just got a regular analog winded everyday watch, but, uh, yeah, that's where you, that's where you can find me. And, um, you know, th- thanks for, thanks for having me on again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was whiskey to whiskey on Instagram, uh, a man of tradition. He doesn't do the TikToks. He doesn't do the Snapchats. Go find him on Instagram, send him a letter. I'm sure, well, he's not going to get put his address out on here, but, uh, Find a way to get him something written. Get him something that's traditional. No TikToks, no Snapchats. <laughs> uh, go uh, go shake his hand. Some, If you can find him, go shake his hand. Uh, I'm sure he would enjoy that much more than a TikTok or a Snapchat. Uh, this has been Will Willis on the Purpose Podcast. Uh, tune in on Wednesdays to the One Flesh Podcast where it's all about marriage. We have guests on. We talk about marriage. We help men uh, try to find a girlfriend, help uh, him make her their wife, and help them build a good marriage. So thanks, everybody, and tune into the next one.